Welcome to Be Customer-Led, where we'll explore how leading experts in customer and employee experience are navigating organizations through their own journey to be customer-led and the actions and behaviors employees and businesses exhibit to get there. And now, your host, Bill Stakos. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another week of Be Customer Led. I'm your host, Bill Stakos. Another special guest for you all today, Louis Angel Lalan is Vice President for Customer Voice in the Global Services Group at American Express. And this is like a really important conversation for us. And Louis, thank you so much for com- coming to the show. But before we just get to you for one sec, so many teams out there are struggling with the topics that we're going to cover today. And you guys have done an amazing job at American Express, and I know that, and I feel that as a customer. Um, so I'm really excited to have you, Lewis. Thanks for coming on Be Customer Led. No, thanks very much. I'm looking forward to it. So um, we always start off the start off each show, Lewis, with asking our guests just to talk about your journey, and you've got a really interesting one because you don't have the traditional background of someone who might be um, in this space. And you know, I'm curious just to even understand like how that history, that professional history of yours also kind of impacted your, you know, your success, um, you know, in the, in this role at American Express too. So I started as an engineer, you know, coming out of grad school, I was a naval architect. So I was a yacht designer and I did that for a few years. Uh, I really liked the engineering. I liked the, the aesthetic part of yacht design, you know, it had to be beautiful at the end of the day, but I realized I wanted to be in an industry that was more dynamic, more competitive. And so I went to business school and at business school, I learned about American Express and risk management. They came to recruit on campus. I went to the presentation and I thought it was a really good fit of, of mm-hmm. the end, the quantitative work I really enjoyed from being an engineer and the business side and what I was enjoying about business school. So I joined risk management at American Express and spent 10 years there in multiple different disciplines for multiple different customer sets. But I knew from literally day one when I joined Amex, I was always looking or wanting to create kind of a well-rounded general management career for myself. And so I, I didn't envision you know, becoming a chief credit officer. I, I wanted to become more of a general manager. So after 10 years in risk, I realized it's time to go experience some of these other world-class parts of American Express. And I'd gotten to know a leader in the servicing organization and really wanted to work for her. And when an opportunity came up to go build and run their compliance monitoring program, um, I jumped at it. And it was surprisingly a good fit coming out of risk management because we were building the program. So they wanted an analytics background, someone who could help figure out like, what are we going to measure? How are we going to measure it? How are we going to report? Um, so it was, it was really building this program from scratch. And, and my quantitative analytics background is what got me there. In that role, though, I, I learned to love being part of a global team. It was my first time in servicing, per first time in a global mm-hmm. organization. And I really enjoyed that. And I really enjoyed the culture in servicing, and that, that mm-hmm. culture of needing to solve for the customer immediately. And so after building the compliance monitoring program and running that for a couple of years, the opportunity came to, for, to move to this role for customer experience, voice of customer, complaint reporting, which felt like a terrific transition of I get to keep the analytics that I like. And I've enjoyed wanting to get, I've enjoyed the customer and ha- wanting to get closer to the customer. And so this was a, a nice, easy transition. And so I've been in this role for about six years now. That's awesome. And I love the risk management background. I was actually having a conversation with someone this morning about how do you get the voice of the customer into the boardroom? 
and we talked about sort of what are what are important topics to boards, right? Risk management being one of them, obviously, and being able to connect the voice of the customer into risk management topics and how do you solve for those critical, really critical. So, so Lewis, uh, you know, I want to start by first talking about how much you've seen the customer listening space change over your six years. Um, whether that's technology, whether that's business focus, you know, whatever that is, like, I'm just curious to hear about your perspective because, you know, part of this, you know, this conversation is about the evolving, you know, nature of customer listening. And I want to talk about the future a little bit about as well, but just let's take a quick look, you know, over the last couple of years and just kind of get your perspective on the change. Yeah. One thing I've, I've really enjoyed about this space is the fact that it's, it's evolving, you know, and, and we're, we're getting created as we go. So I stepped into a role that had existed since probably 2007 is when we first started uh, measuring customer satisfaction and, and putting it in the accountability of our front lines. So I moved into a role that was like well-established in servicing. Mm-hmm. So I didn't need to go fight for attention. Um, I didn't need to go prove myself and, and the value of what we bring that was well-known and accepted in our in American Express. That said, the, the program had been focused on expansion and covering all the different aspects of the servicing experience across 26 markets. Mm-hmm. And so when I joined, it really felt like there's a, we had an opportunity to go see how the world is evolving around us because we were basically done with our rollout, but we had been with the same technology since the beginning. You know, so we started our program before there were standard platforms that could mm-hmm. create real-time dashboards. So as I came in, I learned, you know, talking to different vendor partners who came knocking, I, I learned about the different capabilities that were out there. And we thought, hey, this is a great chance to go explore new technologies. And so that kind of kicked off a whole revisiting and transformation of the entire program. So we wow. looked at new technology. We said, hey, related to that, our survey itself has been pretty consistent for years. Let's update that in terms of look and feel, in terms of the questions, and then look at our internal technology and what are we using to trigger the survey? And let's make mm-hmm. that more dynamic and move it from a mainframe process into our big data lake mm-hmm. so we can be, like I said, more dynamic and respond faster. So it really moved from kind of a, a process, like a very mechanical process about getting it out the door well into a much more dynamic process, really focused on listening carefully and responding to that listening. So it, it's been an exciting time, I think, to be in customer experience as you think through the, the move from, you know, kind of a fixed rigid survey program to a more dynamic listening program. Mm-hmm. And also the the focus, you know, one of my first conferences, I saw Fred Reichelt speak and it was about you know really pulling in operational data like it's not just the survey so i think that explosion of, of pulling all that data around us has also helped um, mm-hmm. inform what we do at american express and how we think about the evolution of the program with the focus so i said continuing to be on listening i love that you're bringing in sort of the operational data i want to touch on that in just a little bit uh, you know mm-hmm. there there are customer signals everywhere and so many organizations just use a survey, right? But that's eight or 10 or 12 or 15% of the population of your customers that are yeah. talking to you, right? And by bringing data, by identifying other signals that are out there, you really do get a much more fulsome picture um, of who your customer is and what they think about your brand and the, and, the, and the product and the service that they get every day. What is your general philosophy um, and approach to customer listening at American Express, if you can share it? Yeah. So, you know, the survey continues to be our, our anchor point mm-hmm. um, in, in terms of what we what we do with our customer feedback. And the, the importance of that anchor point is that we, you know, that becomes metrics and goals across, you know, from for our frontline folks all the way up to the top of the servicing organization. So we've got this nice consistency of 
customer experience being a critical measure uh, for everyone's success in the organization. And so that becomes kind of the core foundation of, of what we do with it. Mm-hmm. We, you know, and with that consistency from top to bottom, we've also had, like I said, at the beginning, that consistency over time. So it's not, no one's ever going to accuse us of, of it being a flavor of the month, et cetera. The other benefit to all of this is we've got, you know, our colleagues are really experienced in it as well. So they're able to self-service and, and use dashboards to really understand what they're doing. We're able to focus on deeper analytics. So we've also created this experience where our teams can use the tools we've given them to understand their performance and take ownership of their performance. So it's, mm-hmm. it's not that they're all sitting around wondering, oh, I wonder what's going on with my performance. I wonder what's driving. Like they can go take a look. And then my team comes in with the more advanced analytics to really get at root cause, driver analyses, things like that, to really make sure that we're focused on responding to and changing processes for the customer. And probably the, the third thing that's been really important to us and kind of our philosophy, and this really got driven home by the, the changes that we all went through in COVID and kind of the, the, the way our customers' needs changed really quickly, more quickly than any time in recent history. It really became a more pure focus on just listening. So what I start, some of the things I started doing uh, over the last two years was sending weekly files of customer verbatim. Um, and it first started with a, a COVID focus because that mm-hmm. was what everyone was interested in. And then we just morphed that into a kind of a random file of, of customer listening. We'd literally take a file from a day and say, here's what we got on this day, you know, two days ago, three days ago, and send it out to get people focused on listening and, and how are we responding to customers, regardless of scores, regardless of, of how it impacts our metrics. So, it, you know, I think our philosophy has been this importance of this core of the survey and listening survey and the score and how that that accountability runs top to bottom, but then expanding mm-hmm. to also embracing just listening regardless of score. I love that. I want to focus on your second point for a second because mm-hmm. self-serve, particularly with the proliferation of technology and these you know big platforms, yeah. that has been a much more important part of the overall, let's say, ecosystem, right? Um, yeah in an organization and the ability to, you know, close the loop, you know, you get feedback, you know, people on the front lines are closing the loop with customers, et cetera. How do you find the balance? Like, what do you think is the right balance and what do you have, you know, more importantly, just, you know, what's your advice for listeners who are trying to come out of this, I'm um, pushing out reports. Yeah. And there are still really big organizations that I talk to. They're like, they're still in this mode of, I create the reporting, I send it every month and then, you know, and someone looks at it. Right. But, I love how you're bringing these tools out to the business so they can self-serve, but like, how do you, what's that right balance for you? And, and if right. you haven't, if you haven't found it, that's fine too, but like, what's your advice there? So this has been a really kind of rewarding transition I've seen in my team since I, mm. you know, I moved into this role six years ago. When I moved into it, we had, we did a lot of reporting and that was a big focus was getting the monthly reports out, but then moving to a new platform, a modern dynamic real-time platform, we were able to start to, slowly shift that focus away from we produce reports to we produce insights. Mm-hmm. And so that's our vision with that migration has been, let's give our, our folks in the front lines the tools to do that level one analysis. So, you know, we've created dashboards and that have key segmentation variables available to them, you know, customer mm-hmm. segment, mm-hmm. call center location, product, country, five or six or seven different key measures. And then we went through and we put some special focus on training kind of the analytics folks that support the operations leaders, you know, so an operations leader might have a small analytics team, 
a center head, you know, the, the woman who runs the center head in Mexico, she'll have an, you know, a few analytics people. So we focused on them, making sure that they understood how to use the dashboards. We created creating custom dashboards for them if needed. So they can create the views that their leaders wanted mm-hmm. was able to, that really allowed us to move away from reporting. So now we do very, very, very little reporting. I mean, we still probably have a handful that we send out, sure, but most of it really is now focused on deeper analytics and insights and things you can't level with that le- can't answer, I should say, with that level one dashboarding, filtering, et cetera. And so I really feel good about that. And it makes also the job more rewarding for my team. Mm. You know, they're not producing reports anymore. They're doing insights. They're doing more complex, more impactful analyses, which Mm. is definitely more exciting for us. And that must, well, obviously, or maybe it did, I don't know, but um, the skill set of the team must change and evolve as well as part of that, right? Um, You don't need sort of people developing reports with that skill set. It's to your point, it's a much different sort of analytical capability that and toolkit that folks need to bring to the team. That's always a scary transition for for a lot of teams, right? When they're when they're going to that kind of yeah. thing. So, kudos to you and the team for having the courage to do that um, and the and the and the foresight to do that because I think that's largely where a lot of this work is going. You know, one of the one of the things that you know I wanted to talk to you about as well is when you think about that, not just you know the stuff that you're pushing out to the business, you know, through these dashboards, but even the work that you're doing as a team, how do you focus on actionability, right? That actionability is always like the big thing. I, I you know, being in the role myself for many years, it was, you know, yep. you get some stuff and sometimes customers like, how would you rate this site? 10. Why did you rate it that way? I liked it. Okay. That's not really actionable feedback. So like, how do you think about actionability um, and maybe in the analysis that you and the team are doing and, and delivering back to the business? Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I think it's still one of the fundamental challenges of, of those of us in this role. And, and I mm-hmm. talk to my team about, sometimes I, f- I feel like we have a curse and our, our curse is everything we share is interesting. You'll go with an analysis, you'll take it to a partner and say, oh, here's what we found about the part of the business you run. Here's the opportunities, here's what's working well. And everyone will love it. You'll walk out of that meeting and you'll think, wow, we really nailed it. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, no one gave us remotely bad feedback. They were all engaged, they asked questions. And then you check in a few weeks later and say, what have you done with it? And they'll say nothing. Hmm. So I'd say, that's our curse. Like you don't get that feedback instantly. It's like, no, this really missed the mark. Like, no, every time we go, we're bringing interesting information. So mm-hmm. we definitely recognize that the gold standard is a partner who's going to take your information and go change their business practice because of it. And that's mm-hmm. what we're, we're aiming for. So some of the ways we deal with that are the first thing we'll do is we'll partner more with our colleagues who have demonstrated a willingness and a desire to drive change using our information. So we actually don't support every operations leader exactly the same way. Some of them just want reporting and, and they'll get the reporting and, and then they've got the filtering so they can use that to manage their, their people. Mm-hmm. Some of our partners have maybe more of a mandate to drive change. And so we'll give them a little bit more support. And so that was something that it, it took us a little while to realize that it's okay to not give everyone the same support because they don't, they don't all need the same thing from us. Mm-hmm. And so I, I think it, it fits pretty well for, for the folks who are doing a great job. They just need to understand and tweak on the margins. Great dashboards are going to do that for folks who really are motivated to or need to drive change. That's when they're going to get more attention from us. So that's one of the ways we've managed to, to, focus on driving impact is, is the recognition that we don't have to give everyone the same exact level of support. And then the other is a real focus on my team at, at having that seat at the table. Mm-hmm. You know, are, are we pulled in when our business partners have a question 
which is which is nice. Or, or do we do we always have a seat at the table? So we're actively listening for what are they talking about, and we can make connections for them and recommend things. And again, that's another one that's really hard to achieve. It takes a lot of time. Um, and we again, we don't try with everyone, but with our our partners who are who need to drive change, we do aspire to get a seat at the table, to be part mm-hmm. of their extended leadership team. So we're there on the weekly updates and the weekly meetings. Um, so those are a couple of things we do. You know, they're not necessarily easy to do. They're not always consistent, but that's the way we, we try to think of that focus on driving impact and not just, you know, producing reports that everyone thinks are interesting and then does nothing with. Boy, I've been in one of those or one or two of those situations before in my career. <laughs> never, oh, never an easy time for the team. Lewis, I want to talk to you about journey analytics and journey orchestration. It's kind of like all the rage yep. these days and everyone's, yeah. kind of, you know, right. It's the silver bullet for CX and et cetera. How are you thinking about the impact uh, of these type of capabilities for American Express? You know, what impact do you actually see perhaps even uh, these new, these new technologies bringing uh, to an organization like yours? Yeah. So we're, I feel like we're where a lot of companies are in terms of expanding our, our view of, of journey. And the way I think about it is, our survey historically has been a transactional survey. So you, you call up American Express the next morning, you're going to have an email in your inbox yeah. asking about that. And what we've done over the years is starting with that kind of that, that very discrete interaction is start to expand our, our kind of horizon around that. So mm-hmm. start to go a little bit further around the journey, around the start, you know, what happened before that interaction, what happened after. And then look at a, a ring that goes even wider, then look at a ring that goes even wider. So I think we're evolving from transaction out to journey, almost almost like, you know, ring by ring further and further out. And so that's the way we've been thinking about it. So it's, it's allowed us to use a lot of our internal data to start to understand and make the connections of what journey is a customer on. And I think we're trying now to explore different technologies, just like a lot of other companies mm-hmm. to understand how can we bring in that journey orchestration? How do we understand when a customer might be stuck at a certain point of a journey? So I don't know if we've cracked the code on that yet, but I feel good about this, this evolution of that we've been on for a few years of starting with that kernel of the transaction and, mm. and thinking more and more broadly about the journey as, as time goes on. And then also understanding that not everything we do is a journey. You know, sometimes it's a one phone call journey. Some customer calls with a question, we answer the question, great. You know, so in that point, in that case, our transaction survey is spot on. Mm-hmm. Um, but then others like dispute, you know, if you call a dispute a charge, that could be done on the phone, but it could take weeks of back and forth with merchants and getting more information. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's a survey that we've recently um, revised to rep- to better capture what happens at the beginning of that experience and at the end. And so that's one that we have put more attention into recently. Mm-hmm. So we're still evolving. Um, and it really starts, like I said, with that, that kernel of the transaction and then expanding out to take a broader and broader view. I, lo- I love that you're it, you're taking your time almost, right? At least that's what I'm hearing. So I don't want to put words in your mm-hmm. mouth, but um, yeah, because this this I mean the capability is super powerful, um, and it yeah. can have a profound impact on your customers as well as your business. So um, very very smart to kind of really think about you know, and and I also love your point around not everything is a journey. I think that sometimes companies over index on uh, can over index, I should say on that and try and create everything as a journey uh, when it doesn't necessarily need to be. So love that you said that. Can we focus on the future just for, for a couple minutes and, you know, where do you yeah. see, whether that's listening or, or just, you know, the even broader CX, if, if you've been thinking about it, you know, where do you see this space evolving over the next two, three, four, five years? And, you know, maybe that's technology, maybe that's different ways of 
accessing um, the customer's voice, you know, accessing different signals. I'm curious just to get your perspective because, and this is where I learned too as a, as a, as a leader in this space. And I love how people it, ta- are tackling the same problem in different ways. So curious to hear your perspective on that. The, you know, what I see for the next few years is, is a couple, like a combination of some big steps and then just a lot of continued evolution. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the, the big steps we're working on right now at American Express is rolling out a modeled customer sentiment. You know, so using the, the actual customer's voice from the phone mm-hmm. call, using the transcript from the words and the tone and, and metadata like length of the call, crosstalk, dead air mm-hmm. time, um, and modeling that against the survey responses, we've built a sentiment model. Um, and obviously that, you know, so many benefits of now we can scale and get a score on every single phone call. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's something we're in the midst of, of rolling out now to our front line to ideally replace the incentive, replace the survey in the frontline incentive with the modeled sentiment. Mm. And this is obviously a big step for us. We've been, like I said, it's been since 2007 that we've had the survey output in our frontline incentive. And now we want to move to a modeled score. So we're going to go really fully and carefully, as you would imagine, across thousands of care professionals. But the idea is start to, you know, sensitize them to this model. And we've been sharing it and the feedback has been, I want to say, I keep wanting to say surprisingly positive, not that I don't believe in the model, um, but I was certainly concerned about the reception of, of kind of a black box model. Mm-hmm. But the, the benefit we have is it correlates, it highly correlates to the survey. And mm-hmm. when it doesn't correlate to the survey, 90% of the time, we'd rather hold people accountable for the model. You know, because the survey picks up things that happen outside of the phone call or maybe sure. your perception of the brand, which is valuable to us in process improvement, but maybe not necessarily valuable for holding a frontline person's account, you know, accountable and in their mm-hmm. incentive. So the reception has been pretty, pretty positive so far from, uh, from our front lines all the way up to leadership in the front line that this population score is, is going to be a more effective measure of performance for our front line. And then I think this also becomes a tool that's going to evolve over time. You know, we've already started looking at getting more granular within our sentiment score of looking at how the sentiment change over the course of the call. Mm. And at what, are, what points does it tra- transition the most? So now we can give very specific feedback to say like, oh, right here is where the sentiment went from positive to negative or negative to positive. So I think what started as a way to get a better frontline metric mm-hmm. is going to turn into hopefully a whole or a whole structure that allows us to do much more detailed uh, coaching at scale. So I think that's going to be a big one. And I think around that, as technology gets better, it's going to allow us to get more granular, even with our, our regular insights, you know, as we start to pull more and more data into our big data environment, as omni-channel gets better and better. I mean, I know we've been talking about omni-channel for years, but, yeah. you know, it's continuing like the actual ability to understand where someone sits in a journey and have all the data connect and talk to each other, that continues to get better every year. So I think our ability to do journey analytics is, is going to get better through our own experience and just through the, the data and technology around us getting better. So, I see reliance on, a, on the survey continuing. You know, I don't see it going to zero, but I, I do see us getting to a point in the future where we're going to be smarter about when do we survey, why do we need to survey, because we're going to have tools like sentiment and, and much better omni-channel data mm-hmm. to really understand the experience the customer had. So I think, like I said, I think survey sticks around. Um, I think it's going to be important for us, but smaller volumes of survey, less of a burden yeah. on customers, 
but you know, the continued focus on that customer voice, which I'm excited about. So uh, there's a lot of just sort of clickbait articles out there, right? Like the, the death of the survey and, you know, the survey, you know, is going away and the whole thing. I agree. Where do you maybe see, I'm just curious just to, to hear your, your thoughts. Where do you kind of see it maybe sticking around or having, having a place in all this? I still like the idea of, of journey surveys, mm. you know, of, of really asking the customer, at the end of this experience, what did you walk away with? You know, mm-hmm. how did you, how do you feel? Did you feel the, the, the overall experience went well, didn't go well? Eventually, we're going to get to a point where we can model that pretty closely when we yeah. understand what are the peak emotions yeah. and, and, you know, where, where, where's Elman's emotion at the end of the journey. I just think with processes continually evolving, products continually evolving, I, I think we'll be able to model transactions better than we'll be able to model journeys. Mm. So I think journey surveys are going to continue. And I still want to find a way to get that customer voice and that feedback of, yeah. of, you know, how did this experience land on them and what do they have to tell us? You know, I think we might be able to model a score, but we're not going to be able to model feedback. So I'm still looking forward to a future of, of journey surveys. Mm-hmm. Again, hopefully not as many as we need today, but, yeah. but still having them and product experience, you know, overall product NPS relationship surveys as well. Cause we might be able to model, like I said, the score, but I don't think we're going to, I think, I think we're pretty far away from being able to model, the feedback that we'll actually get from customers. For sure. Um, Really interesting. Um, Lewis, I've got two more questions for you. They're a little, they're, they're not related to your work or the work that we do from a broader customer perspective. Um, Who are the leaders you admire in this space most and why? So I, I love this question. Um, And part of it is because I still find such joy in, in the CX community. You know, in my previous role, like I mentioned was compliance monitoring. There was no external community from that. Uh, occasionally, we'd have a consultant come in and I'd sit down with them and talk about what my program was doing. At the end of it, I'd always walk away thinking, I think they learned more than I did uh, through that. <laughs> um, but in the CX space, I love the community. I love the interactions with peers, with experts, because the nice thing about what we're doing in this space is we're competing on customer experience, but we're not competing on customer experience programs. You know, like So it, it makes it... a, a safe place to share mm. and, and, you know, talk to competitors and peers. So it's, I really enjoy that piece of it. So it's kind of a long preamble, but it's, it's definitely something I wanted to say because it, it, it's, I think it's really rewarding to be in this space. But in terms of like individuals, I, I think of like the researchers, they're always the ones who inspire me. You know, they're mm. bringing us first principles to really understand what's going on around us. They're giving us tools to, to help solve our problems. You know, I think of like Max, Maxi Schmidt, Schubermanian mm-hmm. at Forrester. Mm-hmm. You know, she's one of the people, my favorite thing to say about Maxie is you walk away from every conversation with her smarter. And, and you know, that's, it's really hard to say about a lot of people. Um, right. You know, so I, I think she's, she's just fantastic. Um, always makes me better. And then I think of, of advisors I've had. So Adele Sage, Budovsky, Nancy Vega, um, you know, these are folks who have been there for me, you know, listening to my challenges, listen to my problems, mm. help connect me with, with research, help connect me with, with peers um, and again, help me feel kind of like fulfilled in this, this industry that we're in. And, you know, they've always been there for me. So I, I really appreciate that, like the intelligence with the, uh, you know, the listening and, and, and like being able to connect things, which, which is just fantastic. Um, so yeah, lots of really good people in this space and it's, it's definitely energizing. For sure. I actually was, was on LinkedIn early this morning with someone actually who's new to this space, uh, with a large pharma company and, uh, 
They're mm-hmm. like, you know, where do I go for, I'm like, no one is going to turn you down. Um, if you're looking for information yeah. in this community, uh, you can literally ping anybody and they'll get on the phone with you. It's really what is special. Um, um, one last question for you, Lewis, where yeah. do you go for inspiration? Ah, so I think I'll answer that two ways. One is for CX, this is going to sound generic. Um, just like the experiences around us, you know, I, I always tell my team, let's, like, let's be good consumers of all the surveys you get and all the experiences you get and, and think critically about them, you know, because a lot of times you're going to have great ones. And then, and, you know, some of the things, some of my favorite things that we've rolled out at Amex are ideas we've picked up from others mm-hmm. um, and other surveys and other industries that we just thought were was neat. And let's try it at Amex. So I think yeah, the first one is just being a good, inquisitive, you know, consumer of experiences helps create energy and excitement uh, for me. And then the other is, is probably, you know, I'll, t- I'll take a different approach for the, the second part of this answer. And that's just kind of music. You know, I, I love listening to music. And, and one of the positives of, of having been working from home so long is, you know, I can turn the, turn the music on, turn it on loud um, and, and get my energy depending on the mood I need and what I need to get going. Um, and so that always, that always helps is some classic rock or some, you know, alt rock or, you know, anything in between um, to help, help get me moving when I, when I, I get a little stuck with something. So that's probably the other way I'd, I'd answer this. I love it. So I, you know, we're we're probably the same age, kind of just looking at you. Um, <laughs> so there, we're probably uh, have uh, similar kind of bands that we listen to on a regular basis. Lewis, this has been a really fun conversation. A lot of learning. Thanks so much for coming on the show. It's wonderful to have you um, on Be Customer Led, and uh, you know, I'm excited. You know, as a customer and as someone who just loves the 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 American Express brand and. I'm excited for your successes and continue to see them. So thanks for coming on the show. No, thanks for having me. It's been a really fun conversation. Awesome. All right, everybody. Great show this week. We're out. Talk to you soon, everyone. Thanks for listening to Be Customer Led with Bill Stakos. We are grateful to our audience for the gift of their time. Be sure to visit us at BeCustomerLed.com for more episodes. Leave us feedback on how we're doing or tell us what you want to hear more about. Until next time, we're out. We're out.